0: Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Bible Immersion podcast by The Well Madeira, where we exist to point people to the hope and love and the wholeness found only in Jesus Christ. And the heart and the vision of this podcast is to do that by showing how every single story of Scripture snaps together to shape the one true story of Jesus and we're calling this podcast Bible Immersion because we recognize that reading the Bible is its a lot like learning a new language. Uh, not only that, it's like stepping back into a completely new and unfamiliar time zone in a culture and a context that expects you to be fluent in their history and cultural traditions and even their inside jokes And as we all know, the best way to learn another language is to completely immerse yourself in the culture and force yourself to begin thinking about everything through the life and the eyes and the language of that culture. And this is what the Bible's inviting you and me to do. We immerse ourselves in the story and we allow it to shape our identity as we begin to see that even a few thousand years later, we are still living within this same one true story. So as we walk line by line through the scriptures to know who God is and what he's like and what it means to be human, as we're shaped by the story of Jesus, come with us and see how this divine gift of the scriptures points us to the past to inspire hope for the future. I always forget. Okay, Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Whoever's got that for us.
1: Uh,
2: go to the ant, O oh sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food and harvest. How long will you lie there, O oh sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and will, uh, will like and w- want like an armed man.
0: All right. Thank wow, you.
2: that's strong. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, what do you guys see in those few verses there? Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. No, we're waking the brain, waking the brain up to, I'm waking my voice up too, evidently. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: mean,
3: <clears throat> what I see basically, they're saying you can't just sit around and do nothing.
2: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah.
3: You have to be like the ant and be busy. Hmm.
0: Hmm. I
3: mean, that's kind of initially what I see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've been about this. Go ahead, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Sean. You're good. I was going to say, what's interesting about
2: this is God is, God is instructing us to see, um, to learn his to to learn by example through His creation
1: mm-hmm. that
2: He's saying, look at the lowest of the low, and mimic that in 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 work ethic.
0: Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I I was going to look it up. I didn't get a chance this morning before logging on, but. You guys, you guys might know the ant can carry like a crazy amount compared to its body weight. Do you guys remember what that is? Is it like a hundred times its own body weight or something like that?
3: Yeah, it's it's a lot.
0: Yeah. So I'm sure by the end of this class, Dave will have it googled or something. But <laughs> Sean, are you on it? Ten okay. to fifty times their body weight. maybe 10, more. Ten to fifty. Yeah. I mean, depending on the type of ant. That's so crazy. That's just like
1: and mine
0: five thousand times. Oh wow. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I like I like uh Anne's Google results better. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I found the thing from fifty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I in the past I've heard like a hundred, but maybe that's a pretty wide spectrum from fifty to you know, know. <laughs>
3: to, 50, to five thousand.
0: Yeah. <laughs> The point is, even if it was just fifty, uh that is insane, you know, I'm trying to think there'd be five yeah, that would be being able to for me like carry around something like five thousand fifty thousand pounds that's so crazy <laughs> yeah.
2: apparently they live for some species live for fifteen years. And one particular ant, it says it, they'll live 30 years.
0: Whoa. Ants. Yeah.
2: That's crazy.
0: That is crazy. Unless they're in the Haw's backyard and Finn finds them, they're don't. They're not they not going to live that long. <laughs> He's a little <laughs> ant stomper. <laughs> yeah, they're immediately <laughs> dead. Right? But no, this proverb, you know, uh, Dave, your earliest observation... I've been really amazed as I'm kind of rereading through Proverbs, uh, how many Proverbs are about preparation? How many Proverbs are about kind of forethought of like, don't just think about today, but how are you preparing today for what could come tomorrow? And then um, Sean also nailed it. I think just how God has put wisdom in front of us, um, primarily through his word. He teaches us his ways. And the ways of uh, living within His world and His universe, um, but also through creation He teaches us. And so, if we have eyes to see, we can go look at an ant hill and look at how they, how orderly they are. Look how they're preparing for winter, and we have lessons there. And I just think that's amazing that God would teach us through. His creation and Sean to your point I didn't think about that through the very one of the smallest creatures, God is saying, Hey, you can you can take wisdom from one of the smallest creatures if you'll take the time to stop and to observe. Um I think that's really cool. So this this proverb I'm like that is pretty cool there. God is teaching us through all the small things that we'll stop and pay attention. So any other thoughts on that? And then I'll, I'll pray for us, and then we'll roll back to Genesis 9.
3: Well, I thought it was funny. It says the ant doesn't have to have anybody telling him what to do. Yeah. It just doesn't. It's
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah.
2: We, need, we need fewer bosses at all. <laughs> <laughs> I work, right? I, is I it, agree. Is it bad that as soon as he talked about sluggard and folding of hands and doing nothing and resting – that multiple people immediately came to my mind, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's
0: yeah, it's true, right, like it i that imagery of it will sneak up on you, you know, like a yeah. little bit of laziness, and man, it snowballs and unravels on you, and then before you know it, it has a hold of you, so, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely there. Yeah, that is very true, actually, Sean. This is one of those dangerous proverbs where, like, I—that's funny because I was reading it last night and I had the same thing happen. And I was, you—you you know, anytime you read a Bible passage and you think of a few people that need to read it, <laughs> <you know? laughs> what's a subtly passive-aggressive way I could get them to read this? Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me let me pray for us, and so we'll uh, pick up in in Genesis nine, verse eighteen. Father, we love you. Uh, we're so grateful for your word. Your word is truth, and um, your proverbs are amazing. They're just full of wisdom. And uh, Lord, we know that the wisdom is this idea of wanting to live um, according to the way that you would have us live. Um, Going back to all the way to Genesis 1, thinking of how Sean's help us see the word good to, to live according to your design, the way that you've intended things to be. Um, that is what is good. And so to be wise is to know who you've intended us to be and how we're intended to live. And so we pray for wisdom, especially right now in the world we live in. We need wisdom. So thank you for the ant, that we can go to the ant and we can learn what it means to work hard, to prepare, to be consistent, to work together, which is amazing to me how a group uh, or an army of ants will work together. Unbelievable. So I pray uh, as the Well Madera, as the church, we would take a lesson from the ants, that uh, we would work hard, that we would prepare and that we would seek wisdom in a time like this. So, thank you for my friends here and, and time and your good word, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right. So Genesis nine eighteen, we'll roll on over there, and and Sean, you can take us from there.
2: All right. Before we get into eighteen, I think it's important that we we don't have to recap all of Genesis, but let's talk about what what we just came from last week. So who can help me out with that? We know that the flood subsided. Mm -hmm. What else happened?
0: I remember a good conversation about uh, the rainbow, and uh, that kind of stuck with me for at least a few days, just thinking about, man, not just the rainbow, but what are the things that... God has created or started or designed that have been kind of taken over? And what's the church's responsibility to redeem those in a good way and say, hey, here's the original purpose of this. Every time we look at a rainbow, here's what we ought to think of. And that's just one little slice of, I think, many things that we would say, man, how can we know our history? You know, know our history and and how to lovingly not argue and divide and drag people down, but instead like, um, help people see the original beautiful design of things. So just got me thinking last week along those lines. Uh, that's just a small slice of a larger pie of things that we, uh, we have the opportunity to kind of redeem and point back to the original history. So something I've been thinking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's good. um, Okay, so the flood subsides, Noah steps off the boat, he builds an altar immediately and offers a sacrifice to God, right,
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, of the clean animals, um, and God offers, or God uh, makes a covenant, a non-conditional mm-hmm. covenant, like we talked about last week, that he'll never again strike down uh, mankind by flood. Um Do you guys remember why he said he would not strike down uh, mankind again by flood? We talked a little bit about it maybe the week before. How about 821? Could somebody read that for me?
3: And when the Lord smelled (laughs) a pleasing aroma... The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature
2: as I have done. Yeah. So God destroys the earth because of the condition of man, because man spirals out of control. He steps off the boat and... And immediately makes a, a covenant with man, and states that he will never do it again because the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. And Dave, you and I kind of talked about that a little bit. How we, you know, mm. <laughs> we, we talked a little bit about that, about how how, how that might play out. Um, and so here we are in nine. Um, at nine. Uh, it's excuse me, in in um, yeah, at the very beginning of nine. He says, immediately after they step off the boat, he gives them commands again. And remember, it's the same commands, but different words from chapter 3. Yeah, chapter 3. Mm-hmm. He says, um, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you shall be upon every beast, and upon every bird of the heaven, and upon everything that creeps on the ground, and all the fish of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. And so God once again... Giving the same command: be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue. Um, but as Dave mentioned before, I think he's he's giving the animals a natural fear of mankind at this point that perhaps they didn't have before. Mm-hmm. And and Dave, do you do you have anything to expand on that? Because I don't know, I I don't I don't have any information on that.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I mean, the only thinking I've heard is at this point, um, you know, Noah, his wife, and kiddos don't have, you know, the modern sort of weapons or warfare or ability to protect themselves the way that we were so familiar with and comfortable with that, man, if if these beasts wanted to come after them, they had no chance. And God obviously wants to preserve and protect Noah, first of all, because there's only eight humans on earth at this point as God's kind of recreating the earth. And also going all the way back to Genesis 3.15, which we, you know, we go back to over and over um, through the this line, right, is going to come the redeemer of mankind. And so God really wants to protect and preserve the life of Noah. So he kind of strikes this fear in the animals so that they keep a healthy distance from his line, because at this point, you know, his line is only one man and now three sons. So that's the only thinking I have on it. Not much more than that. (gasps)
2: Okay. Oh, thanks. Um, and so, uh, in nine three, it says every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave for you the green plants, I give you everything, but you shall not eat the flesh with its life. That is its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast, and I will require it from a man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whosoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And so remember we talked about um, previously God had been the – the. Um, uh the, the discipliner, the person who – the, the entity who disciplines for, for murder like we saw in the, the, the case of Cain. But now God's saying even though you guys are corrupt from you that we see in, in verse uh, – uh, sorry, 21, I'm going to give you more responsibility. I want you to delegate and dictate how, um, how justice is to be served. Um, and so he ends it with saying, for God, for God made man in his own image. And so another reminder that we're to reflect God. Um, uh, so we talked about the covenant. Um, bow in the clouds. Yep. Okay. So moving on to 18. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah And from these people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. His service, servant. So, what in the heck just happened? (laughs) (laughs) He he gets off the boat. (laughs) He becomes the. He becomes. He makes an altar to the Lord, so he immediately recognizes the need to to worship. He plants a vineyard, and he gets drunk. Hmm. Um. What 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 do you guys think? uh, What do you guys think was so bad about what what happened, or what do you think happened there? Any ideas?
3: Other than what you just said, I have no idea. Okay. Okay. So,
2: uh, I, think, I think starting off by saying that to see the nakedness of another person was very shameful. And it wasn't just, it wasn't so shameful to the person who was naked, but it was shameful to the person who saw the nakedness. Mm-hmm. and so when we see um, we see it said uh, and Ham the father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside and so something weird happened in the tent um, my friend Tim Mackey would say something sketchy mm-hmm. happened in the tent and I don't want to uh, pretend I know what happened because I don't think scripture is clear about it but but I think the important thing to the story is that Pam saw the nakedness of his father, and he was shamed Mm -hmm. by seeing the nakedness of his father. And instead of doing the noble thing, which would be to cover his father, to prevent his father being shamed, and to protect himself from being shamed, what does he do?
1: He goes out and tells his brothers about it. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Why, Why do you think he does that? Now, mind you, this is this is the first group of people who just stepped off the boat from the reset. Mm-hmm. We see Adam getting drunk, and whether that was a sin, purposely or not, we don't know. Mm-hmm. It could have been that um, Adam had no experience. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. It could. Be, it could have been that Noah had no experience with, with, with. Alcohol at this time. He simply was a a a wine. I mean, a a grape grower. Um, He he could have very well known. But here's here's the catch. He gets off the boat. He worships God. The very first family who's supposed to reset the world Mm -hmm. immediately falls. Mm -hmm. And and it starts with Noah, the one who previously was considered. Um, righteous and upright because he walked with God. So Noah immediately falls. That that tells us that it's probably not going to go as we anticipated going with the reset. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, Ham sees the nakedness of his father, and he and instead of saying, "Let's let me protect myself and my father," he goes and drags his two brothers into his sin with him. Mm-hmm. He says, "Come, come, see this. Come, be shamed with me. Come, shame my father with me." And I think it paints a, an interesting picture as well because it, it, it. One of the commandments is to honor your father and your mother. But what is what does Ham do? If he doesn't do that. He, in fact, um, increases the the uh, the shame by dragging two other people.
0: Anything you want to add to that, Dave? Yeah, just, uh, I think you already went there, but I I just think it's so clever how the story's written, too, and I think we talked about this already a little bit, but with kind of the recreation of the earth that we see after the flood, we start to, like, get excited for humanity, right? Like, I think this is one of the first cycles we're going to see of many in the Old Testament where we say, okay, here we go, like... 're gonna we're gonna get it right this time, humanity like this is this is gonna be it um, and yet we see him fall back again because there are some early signs of like Noah is following in the footsteps of the first humans, Adam and Eve uh, in the sense that he, he plants a vineyard. And so we know if we go all the way back to Genesis 2:15 God's command was, hey I've placed you in the garden to work it and to keep it. Um, and so, in a sense, right away, we, we see Noah picking up on the purpose of humanity to uh, be gardeners, to, to work and keep the land. And and we know that God already told him, be fruitful, multiply. So there's all these connections between Noah and Adam to say, oh, okay, there's a fresh start for humanity. We're going to get it right this time. And then immediately we see that things don't quite go right. and. Uh, that is a pattern. <laughs> Unfortunately, we will see over and over and over in the Bible this excitement of like, this is the one, this is the king, this is, you know, they're finally going to get it right and they don't. And then if we're really honest enough with ourselves, we could see those same patterns within our own lives over and over again. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's that's all I would throw in there.
2: Yeah. No, that was, that was re- re- really well said. Um, okay. So something sketchy happens in the tent. Uh, Ham goes and grabs his two brothers to drag them into the sand. Um, And it says, when Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. And so Noah curses not Ham, but he curses Ham's son, Hmm. the father of Canaan. Hmm. Really interesting. He doesn't curse Ham. He curses Ham's son. But he, he blesses... Um, Sham and Japheth,
0: hmm.
2: and so the natural question is: Why would he curse his son rather than than Ham? And the truth is, I have no idea.
0: Oh man, <laughs> I'm all <laughs> taking notes here because I've never I've never caught that, and I was like ready. <laughs> yeah.
2: I I I don't know. I, yeah. I can't quite figure out why. Huh. Why the, the only thing I can think, and this is pure speculation, is that we see when God, um, when 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 God in the in the garden, we see that the consequence of man's fall is generational. We see that the the curse on the ground extends from the person who fell onward, mm-hmm. and and this we see. It doesn't extend from that person, but extends to all of the people from him out. And so I was hoping, Dave, you might have something for that, but I I just don't.
0: Yeah, I don't either. The only thought is I'm looking ahead into chapter 10 a little bit, and it looks like um, Ham has, what, four sons that are mentioned in the genealogy. And so what that does, to in my thinking, is if with Ham himself not being cursed, it gives three out of the four an opportunity to not be cursed. Whereas, so so if you look at verse ten, uh, sorry, verse six of chapter ten, the sons of Ham were Cush, Egypt, uh, Put, and Canaan. And so you see, three out of those four are. I mean. You look at Egypt and Cush, and I'd like to do some research on that, of like how they maybe become the nations of Egypt and so forth, um, or the nation of Egypt. But it seems to be that God is cursing maybe a branch of Ham rather than his entire line. But I I don't know. This is a new thought for me. i I got to do some work on that. Um, So rather than all four sons being cursed... One will continue the wickedness of Ham, but the other three have a chance, I guess. Um,
3: Dave, you need to go to Bible Hub for that one. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well played. I I used that, by the way, in uh, doing for tonight. Have you? For my,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, verses 10 and 11. It's good, huh? For a free resource? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's so good. They've done a really, really good job. Yeah. So, Sean, for our men's discipleship group, we're starting to parcel out passages for everybody to study and come ready, and so Gene Potkey has done a really good job of kind of pointing some guys to some resources, and Bible Hub's been one of those, and it seems, I've been playing around with it a little bit more, too, and very thorough and also very easy to figure out, which is nice.
2: Yeah, and one thing about Bible Hub, if you hit their commentary, they don't give you a single commentary. They give you a an abridged version of each person's commentary. And then on the right-hand side, because I'm pretty familiar with Bible Hub as well, okay. they'll give you kind of a pulpit commentary. Oh. So instead of, instead of the left side just explaining, say you want to look up verse 9 and 10, they'll give you a commentary on 9 and 10. You go to the right-hand side, and the pulpit commentary will kind of give you the story, including what you're looking for, oh. so it kind of gives a broader picture. It's a really good resource.
0: That's really cool. I hadn't I hadn't used that yet, so that's that's really cool.
1: Okay, I have a um, well from the uh, Faithful Study Bible. My commentary says against the idea that Ham's was voyeurism. The Hebrew Hebrew phrase, which may be literally rendered, saw saw the nakedness, appears elsewhere in the Old Testament reference. It references to illicit sexual contact and intercourse. To see the nakedness of someone is used in the law, which is Leviticus 18, to prohibit certain sexual relations. And so when you go to Leviticus 8, chapter 18, it talks about the forbidden sexual practices. And so it also says, um, you must never have sexual relations with a close relative for I am the Lord. Do not violate your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. Do not have sexual relationships with with any of your father's wives for this would violate your father and so it just goes on and on Mm -hmm. so I don't know if that really explains that more than just that you know seeing Ham seeing his father naked
2: yeah yeah. I've heard that before that um, that there might have been some type of interaction with Uh with Ham and the father Um, I don't know that I don't know that I would plant a flag there. I mean, I guess it's possible. Um, it, that's kind of one of the one of the one of the viewpoints. I just I don't know that I would plant a flag there. I don't think Scripture's clear enough. I agree um, with you, Sheldon. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. oh,
1: I'm reading this from the Faithful Study Bible, which is one of the study Bible stats in Logos.
2: So. The com- Yeah, the commentary. Yeah, like I said, I've I've heard that before. I've heard that there. Yeah, I've just heard many, many different uh, variations of what might have happened in the tent. Here's what we know for certain: something sketchy happened. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I, I don't where that goes. I, I, I couldn't yeah.
0: tell you,
1: but
2: yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold that as doctrine for sure.
0: It's um, interesting that. I, or go yeah. ahead.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'm just thinking for for Noah to react that way. And to like put a curse on his descendants, there has to be something really, really evil to have happened. I mean, mm-hmm. that's my mm-hmm. my.
2: Yeah, seeing the naked no in the in the in in the early times and was a very very shameful thing. It mm-hmm. was very, and I would say like we we're very liberal with our with our bodies or nakedness mm-hmm. today, and 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 but, but I would say that. Yeah, I just, I just wouldn't hold that as doctrine. Mm-hmm.
1: But don't you think because there's only so many of them left to start the world? I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people talking about incestuous relationships. I mean, because how else would they be fruitful and multiply? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think mean, that's they're all true. related. Don't by
2: having relations with their father. Huh? I said. I said. I, I think what you're saying is true. Yeah. They they, There they had to be incestuous. There's no question about that. But uh-huh. I don't think they had multiplication with, with their father. Um, uh-huh. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm just right. saying right. be very careful not to, I wouldn't grab onto that and say this is what happened.
1: Right. But so okay. Yeah, they're just saying there's like different interpretations of what happened.
2: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, in order for Ham to curse Ham's, you know, descendants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know,
0: Would you guys see, um, Sean, you know, early on in, what is it, the end of Genesis 2 and then going into 3, uh, you've talked about just the importance of nakedness with no shame and then nakedness with shame once their eyes are open. Do you see any sort of connection here going on in, in, uh, going back to Genesis 2 and 3 with the importance of nakedness?
2: Um...
0: <clears throat> I mean,
2: I think so. I, I haven't, I haven't thought yeah. too much through that. Um, yeah, I, I, yes, I think there's, you know, that clearly yeah. that from that point onward, being naked was shameful. Um, mm. And and is that the crux of of, of this verse? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think scripture is clear enough. Here's yeah. what we do know. We know that being naked in front of people was shameful, very shameful. It was a big deal.
0: I wonder, too, and once again, this is us just processing here. So uh, I'm with, with Anne here. We're like, hey, I think it's fun to throw out maybe some theories, but probably need to continue to do some more work on it myself. But I wonder, too, if it's because they were naked and unashamed, and then their eyes are opened and they're ashamed and they cover themselves, But then God says, no, that's not going to cut it. I will clothe you. So God clothes them for a reason. So now for another person to see another person naked, in a sense, is seeing past the clothing that God had prepared. Like humans are supposed to be clothed with whatever God clothed them with. And if they're not... Um, it is returning back to this Genesis three type shame, but I don't know, just trying to make some connections there that may or may not be there. Yeah. Let me, let
2: me throw this out as yeah. well. Uh, when in John Kempchmidt actually called me last night and was like, Hey, check this out. I want you to see this. Um, in chapter three, when, when it starts, to, uh, Genesis chapter three, it starts, it says now the, the, the serpent was the most subtle, Mm-hmm. um, of the field. And word for subtle is Aram. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you scroll down and it talks about Adam and Eve's nakedness, when they were naked and covered themselves, the root word for that is also Aram.
0: Uh-huh. Did you know that? You know where I learned that?
2: From John Ridge.
0: No, from... <laughs> From your favorite Hebrew Bible teacher YouTube video, you made me watch. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, he goes into that.
2: <laughs> so, so there was some value. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I actually had to go look it up myself because I was like, I don't really trust a lot of what this guy is saying, but I think he's right here.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and so I, I think, you know, John and I talked through it a little bit and and. The, the subtle the subtlety of the, the beast or the, the of Satan in the, in the, in the, the garden um, implies there was a craftiness a, a deceitfulness something yeah. um, something I don't know not good and so when it talks about the nakedness directly below that if that's the root word then there's something subtle crafty yeah. and and if we flow that on to to Noah, Maybe there's a connection there, Dave, that in that, yeah. that it's not only was there shame, but there was some type of um, deceitfulness or
1: craftiness
0: going on. Yeah. Yeah, there's well, something I, there. I, Go ahead.
1: I'm also thinking that um, Noah could have been so angry because it showed his weakness, you know, and yeah.
0: mm-hmm. he was
1: shamed by it because he's supposed to be an all righteous man. Mm-hmm. you know, and that's why God chose him, you know okay. and yet, and then here he is getting drunk and doing all the things that he's not supposed to do and, and yeah, yeah, I like where you go that basically is what he's doing mm-hmm. yeah. getting being naked because well, when I, people get drunk they do stupid things that's <laughs> 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 true that's
2: true um I like where you're going with that too, because think about there's a fam- there's a family that remember it doesn't say that it, uh, pre-flood that uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were righteous. It says Noah was righteous, and because of that, his family was mm. kind of somehow grafted into that righteousness. And I don't understand that, but so they're on this boat for almost a year. They get off the boat. And, and I think this is a really good indication of maybe the relationships that were taking place as well because they're, they're supposed to, I mean, they're family. But Ham mm-hmm. not only exploits his father, but he exploits his brothers as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think this is a, I think this is a picture of, I think this is a picture of God resetting the world and showing it through many examples how broken we are. Literally, just stepping mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. Just, just planning the reset. We're still just completely broken. He says in twenty one, um, I think it's twenty one. No, nope. uh, where does he say? Uh, I can't even find it now. Um, oh, yeah. For, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. And that that statement was made to say that he's never again going to, to destroy the earth. And so that would apply to Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their wives as well.
0: Yeah. Sean, to your uh, your earlier thought, I did a little reading on the side here because it reminded me about I, I never thought about this, but I realized um, God didn't curse Ham. He cursed his one of his sons out of four. And it reminded me, I just finished reading uh, Tony Evans' book about racial reconciliation. And he actually goes through some really good things and really opened my eyes to some Old Testament things I never noticed about mm-hmm. how many uh, black people the Lord used throughout the Old Testament that we don't think of. We just kind of read it and we think they're all Israelites. Um, but, um, there was this really bad theology for a couple hundred years, especially here in America, that black people came from ham and therefore they were meant to be slaves because, um, they were cursed. So the black man should serve the white man, heartbreaking theology that people use scripture to enslave other people, just unbelievable. But he actually goes to this passage, which is really interesting, Tony Evans does, and I, so I was doing a little rereading on that, and he says that's one of the reasons you see God doesn't curse Ham, he curses one of the sons of Ham, because the the if you look, now I'll pull up my notes here, the descendants of Ham's other sons have continued to this day as national peoples, so Cush is Ethiopia. Um, and then Egypt, and then Put is uh, Libya. And so if you follow the sons of, of Ham throughout the Old Testament, you will see um, God actually throughout stories using black people in heroic ways um, and really just blows out of the water this idea that like black people were cursed and meant to be slaves, which we obviously know today um, but unfortunately, for a couple hundred years, it was just this horrible theology. Um, so it's just interesting that God didn't curse the whole line of Ham, but a, a branch of it um, that, that we see. Um, but the other three sons end up being used in some, some pretty cool ways. So just a thought.
2: It's a, it's interesting you bring up the, the curse and, and, and the theology of being black as a curse. Because when you go back to the story of Cain and Abel, um, there's some, another bit of bad theology that mm. the mark that God put on Cain yeah. uh, was that Cain would now be black. And so that would, that would even support that bad theology going back to Cain, it's, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just bad. It's exactly. just, there's no evidence for that at
0: all. I actually learned. So you guys know, we named our son Phineas, uh, or Finley after Phineas. And, um, Phineas Phineas in the Old Testament was half black, (laughs) which is super cool. He married, so the priest, his dad, uh, I think he's Eliezer, married a Cushite woman. So Phineas would have been half black, which is super cool. (laughs) It's one of my favorite stories. I was like, well, Finn doesn't quite have the complexion to match his biblical superhero, but (laughs) I still think it's cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else in there you guys want to talk about? What I'd like to do today, uh, is maybe just work through 10 and then I want to stop next week. We're going to work through the tower of Babel Mm -hmm. and then maybe talk about where to go from there. Um, if we want to continue in, in 12 or if we want to move, we're actually considering moving over to Romans, but then we can talk about that on the back end. Uh, anything in here that you guys want to talk about before we move on to the descendants of Noah? No, you guys, pretty pretty good with that, Anne. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so let me just share with you guys before we go into ten. Whoever decides to read this, when the names come up, <laughs> if you just say them with authority, everybody will believe that that's how they're pronounced. So don't don't feel don't feel. Uh, guilty if, if they're, if they're, they can't pronounce them because I'm telling you, just say them with authority and everybody will believe you. <laughs> so, who wants to take, who wants to take 10? And if you want to stop, somebody else can pick up when it, where you, where you stop.
3: What the heck? I'll give it a shot. Yeah. There you go. <clears throat>
1: these,
3: these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Am, and Japheth. Both sons are born to them after. The flood. The sons of Japheth: Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javon, Tubal, Meshech, and Tyrus. The sons of Gomer: Ashens, Raphath, and Togar. Togarma. The sons of Javan: Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dogadin, Menim, from these, the coastal coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans in their nations. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan, the sons of Cush, Seba, Avalah, Sabta, Ramah, and Sabteca, the sons of Ramah, Sheba, and Dedan, Cush fathered Nimrod, he was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Halne in the land of Shinar. From that land he went into Assyria and built Denebun. Rahaboth, both ear, Kala, and resin between, ne- ne- well, I'm getting really tongue-tied here. <laughs> Naveah, and Kala, that is the great city. Egypt fathered Ludum, Anaman, Lahabam, Naptuhim, to him, Path Ruesum, cast slew him, from whom the Philistines came. And
2: captorum. Wanna <laughs> wanna take a break? That was good, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> Those are some hard names. Okay, yeah,
0: well done.
2: <laughs> 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 All right, uh, I'll pick up a little bit here. Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Hep, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the Gergesites, the Hivites, the Arkites, the Sinites, uh, the Arvadites the Zemorites and the the Hamathites, uh, afterward the clan of the Canaanites dispersed, and the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar, as far as Gaza, in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboah, as far as Lesha. These are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. To Shem... Yeah. To Shem, the father of all the children of Ebar, or Eber, the elder brother of Japheth, children were born, the sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, Aparshad, uh, <laughs> Lud, Aram, the sons of Aram, Uz, Hul, Gether, and Mash. Aparshad fathered Shela, uh, Shelah, and Shelah fathered uh, Eber Eber was born two sons the name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided and his brother's name was Joktan Joktan fathered Almadad Sh- uh, Shalif Hazer Maveth Jera Hadaram Uzal Dikla, Obol Abameel Sheba Ofer Havilah and Jacob all of these were the sons of Jochtan the territory in which they lived extended from Mesha in the direction of Sepher to the hill country of the east wow there's that east again mm-hmm. um, there these are the sons of Shem by their clans their languages their lands and their nations these are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations and from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood
0: Whew. nicely done <laughs>
2: yeah that's that's tough language um, uh, okay so anything in there you guys want to talk about maybe I have to announce some names or <laughs> no I was just thinking you know when he said go forth and multiply they certainly did it
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah, that's interesting. You bring that up, Dave, because they absolutely did multiply. Um, yeah, yeah, and we're going to see how that how how that maybe changes later in eleven. Um, okay, so it's six forty nine. Let's let's maybe stop there, unless there's something else you guys want to address in this or have questions. Good questions. Good. No. Okay. Um, so next week we're going to get into 11 and then after 11, I think Dave and I were talking about, um, maybe, well, see, seeing what direction you guys want to go. Um, the book of Genesis and Romans, if I were to book in scripture, I would say that Genesis is the, the the um, description or the story of why we need a redeemer. And Romans is how we're going to be redeemed. And so the question that Dave and I kind of had was, do you guys want to continue going through Genesis um, and and uh, just systematically uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, or would you rather move into Romans and maybe start seeing how God's going to resolve the issue of mankind, and 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 here's the thing: we can go to Romans, and then go back to Genesis, mm-hmm. or we can go to Romans and move forward. Whatever you guys want to do.
1: I think we should finish. Well, do a couple more chapters of Genesis.
2: Where where do you suggest we stop? Once
3: you start getting into twelve with Abram. You're kind of caught in a hornet's nest because, I mean, the, everything kind of follows from there.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would say the first three verses of chapter twelve are are essential. Like there, they are like the verses that you follow for the rest of the story. I would I would suggest we go through twelve verse three, the Abrahamic covenant. Because um, okay. that plays such a big role in the rest of the story of scripture and then I agree with Dave I think that's a good place to pause because the rest then it's important I love the rest of Genesis but Dave you've been through some of it with us with the men's discipleship group you know we spent months in the life of Abram Abraham I think and it really is just kind of those cycles on repeat of Abraham Isaac Jacob Joseph Judah kind of there for the next what is that 38 chapters <laughs> so we definitely could but I think Genesis 12 1 through 3 would be a good launching spot into Romans 1 if you guys are up for that but are you good with that Anne? I know you you sound yes like... I am good I'm
1: okay. good with that
0: you're good with that? okay cool you good with that Sean?
2: yeah I, I really like that a matter of fact I was trying to figure out I, I think I think you're right I think you know going through um, the call of Abraham and or Abram <clears throat> to kind of set the stage for what's going to take place further. But I didn't know if you guys wanted to go all the way through 12 or just maybe the first chapter or two. But yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go through the three verses um, cool. and then just jump right into Romans. Yeah. I think, guys, I think um, it's going to be really cool when we go through Romans because you're going to see so many references yeah. to Genesis that – Now that you have a good Genesis background, at least Genesis 1 through 3, uh, or 1 through 12, um, Romans is just going to come to life. Mm -hmm. Things are just going to make sense. It's
0: good. uh, Yeah, it's it's really good. Sharon, you good Uh, with that game plan? I am. You know,
1: it's funny. I just started reading Romans as one of my things for my own self.
0: Yeah. This
1: will
0: be wonderful. Well, we look forward to learning from you, Sharon. You are now. After after Genesis twelve one through three, you are the teacher of this Zoom. (laughs) That's how I heard it. At least
2: you're not going to assign her any homework. (laughs) Notice Dave; she just moved further out of three.
0: Yeah, she did this. (laughs) No, I love it. That's that's really cool, Sharon. I love it. So I'm excited about Romans. It's gonna be fun.
2: Um can I give you guys a homework assignment? and this is a big one. Um, but uh, I know we, we, in the past we have uh, we have kind of asked you guys to, to give us a, an abridged version of, of uh, Genesis, what you've learned so far. If you guys would kindly pick up where you left off on the last and, and let's conclude Genesis really strong, so that uh, when we move into Romans, things will make, make sense. So if I can ask you guys to, to maybe uh, um, uh, give us a synopsis of, of what happened in Genesis, and it, and about half your work's already done, you guys, if, if we can just kind of pick up where we left off again so that we can finish the strong. Would you guys be okay with that? Because, no, I'm confused here. My apology. So um, in the past, we've, we've kind of had... Each one of you, at certain times or uh, each week, maybe take a take a uh, uh, give us a a a, uh, snapshot of what's happened in Genesis so far, and we kind of stopped doing that back in maybe six or so. Um, And so, you guys have a, a, a good recap from like one through six. But, again, we stopped doing the recaps Mm -hmm. for the most part. And so I'm going to ask you guys if you would mind picking up from uh, where we left off and and recap the rest of Genesis uh, so that when we move into Romans, we're we're finishing strong. We have a good recap going uh, in our our memory front. So are you talking 7 through 12? Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, and let me tell you, I'm only I'm saying this because we're not going to finish Genesis until really next week. Um, you know, believe it or
3: not, Sharon's right. She just said, you know, we stopped at Genesis 3.15.
2: Stop what? Stopped
1: doing recaps.
0: Did we really? <laughs> yeah.
2: Whoa.
0: We were we so, like, on it for, like, a month, and then I think <laughs> we did get a little lazy on a signing, huh? Yeah.
2: So then what if we did this? Um
1: I I, I think have you do the recap.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes.
0: You just got you just got wifed, Sean Young. <laughs>
1: I'm
2: sorry, it's breaking up horribly. Something... Okay, so what let's do this then. Let's work through the Tower of Babel. Um Next week, uh, because there's a lot in there, and and if, and then at the end of maybe twelve, maybe let's recap together. Let's put a let's put a a recap together. Maybe spend a whole morning doing that if we need to before we move into Romans, so everything's real fresh.
0: I like that. Sounds like a Uh great idea. I like. Okay. I like that.
2: Okay. So yeah, next week we'll we'll tackle the Tower of Babel. You guys, do me a favor though. Read. Um, 11, one through 10, no, nine. And just maybe make some notes in there. Like if, anything in there you see that's odd or anything you want, uh, you want answered. It, there's a, there's a ton in there and we'll probably spend most of the morning on 11. But it's, it's so neat to see what mm-hmm. happens in 11.
0: It's good. Uh, yeah. And I'd be too, I want to encourage you guys, um, kind of a double-edged sword because i actually at times really like how small our class is like i feel like we're less worried about like clipping along at a good pace and making sure that everybody's okay because we know like we can take a little rabbit trail on you know why was ham you know why was canaan cursed and not ham and like we can kind of like google stuff right here on the fly because we're not worried (laughs) about like uh it's just a couple of us we're we're talking we're we're verbalizing here but I would say be thinking on um, maybe when we start Romans, uh, maybe inviting people back into this. I, I think it'd be valuable to say, hey, we're starting the book of Romans. Come come, join us. Because I know not everybody's cut out for Zoom, but I'm really enjoying it. And so I might announce in front of the church and so forth that in a few weeks we're going to start Romans. Because um, I think it'd be really valuable to pull people into this and be able to summarize Genesis and how it connects to Romans. But be thinking if there's a few people you want to invite on, I I think it's a good fresh start, because we'll probably be in Romans for a while. And once you're in Romans, it'll be harder for people to jump in uh, a couple chapters in. But I would say maybe somewhere in our fresh start, that'd be a good time good time to invite some new people back in. So you good with that, Sean? Yeah, for sure. Um I
2: think we got a little bit of pushback though. There's some people that maybe left the class because they felt as though the pace wasn't um, adequate and they didn't want to sit and chew through um, the, the details. They wanted to kind of see a 30,000 foot. Um, And, and so, and and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And so I I like your statement of, I like the class being small because um, everybody here is good about chewing through those details. They're okay with that. Um, And I think Romans is going to be very much the same way. Yeah. 30,000 foot or you can really dig down and chew chew on that,
0: yeah. And I would say if you guys are good with it, like even if it's just a few of us, I'm having a blast Um, and I would say let's, let's continue with this pace and kind of this mindset and invite others into it. But like I like the freedom to be able to say, hey, let's stop there. Let's Google that or like let's look up a commentary on that because I learned some things this morning that I had never thought about um, that I'm glad we didn't have to like keep moving forward. We could actually stop and talk about Ham and Canaan, and so I like that pace. And I, I think Romans, I'd like to do the same thing. If you guys are good with that, and some people will like that, and some people say no, like I want to get through Romans in a month. Well, that's not our pace. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure there's a really good John MacArthur teaching on it. But <laughs> you know. are you,
2: Dave and Sharon? Are you guys and Anne? Are you guys good with the pace? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, okay.
1: yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm retired. So <laughs> to with were you, Dave, were you trying to say we're going really slow? <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, you know, the older I get, the slower we need to go.
3: Huh? Yeah,
0: that's good. I'm
2: with. You.
0: Yeah.
2: <clears throat> cool. Can I uh, can I pray for us, and then uh, we'll uh, get together again next week. Sounds great.